0: Oh, and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to The John Conn Report wherever you get your podcast. you're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, that's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. Today, I'm joined by former NFL coach Brad Childress because he knows Eric the very well. Childress coached was a coach in Philadelphia when Bienemy finished his career there. He also hired him to be his running backs coach when when Childress coached the Vikings. He hired Bienemy and worked and Bien-Ami worked for, with them for several years. And then the two of them worked together in Kansas City. You can hear why Childress told Andy Reid that yes, Bienemy was ready to be an offensive coordinator in Kansas City. More insight there. I do feel like Bienemy is one of the most scrutinized assistant coaches in history. So I don't want to kind of go over every all the same things every single time. But I do want to bring you insight from people who worked with him, who know him very well. That's what I'm doing here. So stay tuned to that. For, in one minute, I'll get to that. I do want to go over a couple little minor things. First of all, the Biennemi presser is on Thursday. Of course, at the commander's facility I will be doing a podcast later that day with Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders, as we talk about first impressions being around the enemy. This is an all-the-enemy week. That's Again, that's on Thursday morning. The other thing is, um, as far as staff changes, and I told you the other day, I didn't expect a lot of big changes here. Still don't. We know that wide receivers coach Drew Terrell likely going to be, or at least, very good chance he'll be the pass game coordinator in Arizona. Now I don't think it's official yet, but that's what I'd heard last week, and that's maintained, that's been kind of true throughout the week. Nothing is until something's done, it's not done, but that's what we're hearing there. And then for Jim Hostler who's an offensive senior offensive assistant with Washington, he is out. He had been here for the first few years with Rivera. That's probably the one big, the one big change uh that that Washington. Will make. I don't know that there will be any. I don't. think, I'm not anticipating any other big changes on that offensive staff. I don't know. I I do believe the enemy will will bring some people aboard. I don't know the roles. I don't know if there, any titles are going to change. Find all that out. I may even know that by tomorrow by Wednesday afternoon. So if I if you want to find out, go to Twitter where I'm at John underscore Kime. Anyway, also, for the Biennium pressure. don't forget, I will be covering that, of course, for ESPN. So I'll have a story up on all the stuff that he said on ESPN.com on Thursday afternoon. And so tune in for that. And again, I told you, Adam Teicher, our chief reporter, and I did a, we combined on it basically a lot of information on Biennium for an article after he was hired. But it provides a lot of insight into him, into what he's getting into here, why he came to Washington. All that good stuff. But we'll hear from the man himself on Thursday morning. All right. And then one thing on the ownership situation, not a whole lot new to add there. I know there's you know, there's always going to be stuff floating around. The only thing I know is that, again, Jeff Bezos is still out there. What I do know is that we know Josh Harris toured the facility, that group. We also know that there were a couple of other unnamed groups who have toured the facility. I know Nikki Javal from The Washington Post reported that. I had heard that a week or two ago that – the groups were there was there was a thought that one or two groups would be coming through. Well, it turns out they have. So there you go there. And then the Jeff Bezos thing is still hanging out there. And I know some there are some people involved in the situation who they're well aware of how he's hovering over the entire process. And one thing that that this person told me that because the Bezos group has not ruled out that he would do something, they're kind of figuring that he's that he's going to factor in somewhere at some point, but until you say you're out, you're not out. So that's, but that's, again, that's general stuff. You may have already known that. There you go. Anyway, that's enough for me. Now let's get to my interview and my conversation with former NFL coach, Brad Childress. Brad, you have obviously a lot of experience with Eric Biennium, and I'm kind of asking everybody who knows him, what do you think Washington is getting in Biennium?
1: Well, I think they're getting an incredibly passionate football coach. Um, he loves what he does. He's he, he can be emotional, which football's an emotional game sometimes. Um, but a guy that's competed at the very highest level, uh, a guy that's coached at the very highest level, and obviously with a really interesting um, offense. Um, with that said, you know, yeah, they will be passing, but you know, he has a, a lot of respect for being able to run the football and anytime he can play good defense and stop the run, stop the run, uh, and run the ball is pretty good formula.
0: You had him on your staff at Minnesota. You hired him to be there. I think that was his first NFL job. What is it that you saw in him as a young coach that made you want him to be on your staff?
1: Yeah. So John, uh, he was on, uh, in 1999 was his last year of playing. I was at the Philadelphia Eagles and, and, uh, he was primarily a special teams guy, a special teams captain, back you know, third string running back. Uh, but what what I recognized was that here's a guy that in his last year played nine years, was a smaller guy. He had to come out an hour before practice even started just to get himself warm and loose uh, to participate in the practice. And he was that way every day uh, when we went up to Allentown for training camp. And that really hit me. And then we brought him back about three years later as a, uh, a training camp intern. And uh, you could tell he was a great teacher. Sometimes good players aren't great teachers, um, but he was very good in that area, too. And, and I, there was no doubt in my mind uh, when I got the Vikings job that the running back coach I was going to go get is uh, Eric Bieniemy. It was on Carl Durrell's staff at that time at UCLA.
0: What did you see in him as far as you, you say great teacher? What, what what were some of the things that you remember maybe stood out to show you that?
1: Well, you know, when you coach running backs, you're, you're so involved in, in things like uh, uh, the path of the back, uh, course integrity, and then in the passing game, precision route running. Um, he was able to teach that. Uh, and then the pass protection element of him. You're, you're involved in as right. a running back coach in everything, every facet of it, um, and I thought he had a great command of of all those facets.
0: And then you also, um, you know, I think you would talk to you about like Chester Taylor when he went from the Ravens to the yeah. Vikings, and just the demanding nature of. Be enemy. And I shouldn't say demanding nature. I think that's just maybe basic, but what is it do you remember about what, what Taylor maybe learned about the enemy?
1: Well, Chester was coming out of a, a backup role at the Ravens and uh, he was going to be the, the the lead dog for us at, at the bears. Uh, unbeknownst to us, we, you know, at that point in time, we didn't know we were going to dra- draft Adrian Peterson next year, but uh, you know, Chester rushed for over a thousand yards and, and he had to learn at least in our system that, uh, we don't do it the same way as the Ravens. Uh, just because you're number one running back and you carry the ball 23 times a day before or a couple of days before, doesn't mean that you sit out practice. You got to get in there. You got to take your turns. You got to take your reps. And that was something that was new to him because that's not the way they had done it at the Ravens. And, and so uh, he really had to indoctrinate him to what it is to be a, a lead dog for everybody to see it show up and, you know, and be consistent in all areas and practice and that type of thing.
0: And then there obviously, you know, that with that passion and that, you know, his demanding nature or whatever is going to come some sideline arguments. We've seen some of those over the years. What do you take from those? I mean, I know like football is, like you said, football is a passionate sport. So it could just be a heat of the moment thing. And then it's gone because guys are competitive. But what do you, what do you make of all
1: that? Yeah, I, I don't see any downside to passion at all. Um you know, you, 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 you in a lot of ways, if, if if you're not, if you can't get yourself going, if you if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're just throwing your hat in the ring. And so, um, yeah, there's sideline arguments, there's practice arguments, there's practice discussions. Uh, everybody has a different point of view, but he was very able to get his points across. It, it wasn't just because it was there was an argument or a uh, a disagreement because he was trying to present a point that he had he had covered and he wasn't seeing it done that way and and he wanted it done a certain way
0: and then how do you balance that line for you as a head coach you know to make okay this is what he's doing and saying versus you know rein it in a little bit is there a line to balance or do you just say hey this is this is eb
1: no i i I think uh there there's a line to balance and all that always comes from the head coach but but uh you know i hired him for, for, for a reason. I mean, right. he was a good run, run back in the NFL. He was a good teacher. And you know what? I, I like that passion. I like that fire. We're not talking about a flat line guy who speaks in a monotone. Um, I, I, I think that gets players excited uh, when they see the coach excited.
0: A, a, absolutely. And when you were, cause you were with him in Kansas city as well under Andy Reid staff. And I think I remember reading something from you when you were leaving with Nagy that Andy asked you if Eric was ready to ascend. Right. What do you remember about that? And what did you tell him?
1: Yeah, he said, what do you, what do you think about me hiring Eric as the next uh, offensive coordinator? I so said, he's the guy you got to hire. He's the guy with the most experience here. He understands it forward and backward. Um, he was a great running back coach there at the time he did that. But, you know, he, he steps in that role. And, I, you know, I don't know what, what the growing pains were because, like, like you said, I exited at that point right. in time as well um but i mean to do it for five years now you you're not just sitting on your duff you're you're right. uh, i mean andy's a hard worker eb is a hard worker uh and obviously they not you know you, you never uh you never forget that uh the, the difference between uh effort and results that doesn't mean, you know results is is what you want he's gotten results but he also puts in a lot of effort
0: Right, and then you know what, what is it as an as an offensive coordinator with a guy like Andy Reid who's who's been a fantastic offensive coach for many years, what is the role of the offensive you serve in that role? What is the role of an OC under Andy, and like what is their input?
1: Yeah, so I mean he's basically going to sit in all the quarterback meetings. Uh, Andy sat in all those uh, along with Matt Nagy. When I was there, I sat there with with Matt Nagy and Andy, uh, Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes, Tyler Bray. Chase, Daniel, there are a whole bunch of different people, but you sit in those meetings and then, uh, you, you, you order plays. Uh, These are the plays I like. And then you listen to your quarterback about what order do you like them in? Um, but you, you, you organize all those thoughts and, and then you put them on a piece of paper for the head coach who's been following along the whole time as well. And and he's got his own thoughts about what he likes. Um, so, I, so I think, uh, that administration part of it is is huge as well. You know whether you're directing the offensive line coach, the coach Heck, in, in their case at at, uh, at Kansas City, or you're directing the receiver coach Joe Blameyer or, or the new running back coach uh, Greg Lewis. That hey, that's not right. This is how we got to get it done. Or or hey, let's let's do it differently.
0: Did you? See, I don't suppose you saw Lashawn McCoy kind of came out hard against B. N. M. He was there just a short time, but I don't. Did you see any of his comments by any chance?
1: Uh, I, I heard they were negative comments. Um, I don't know LaShawn McCoy, but I'm sure it 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 it's from. Hey, I, I don't care if you're an old pro; you still need to do stuff this way. And it, it probably was no different than his conversations at the time with Chester Taylor. You know, it, and you may have done it this way at the Eagles, but you're in Kansas City now. And here's how we do it here.
0: Yeah, and then because the other the other thing he said too that during meetings he wouldn't have any input. But based on what you're saying, an you know, OC there has a lot of input.
1: A lot, a lot of input, and and uh, never very far away from what he thinks uh, the good runs would be against that group, and what their line can accomplish. And, and uh, you know, football at its at its best is a is a physical physical game, and so there's nothing better than you know a running back that can run the ball behind a good offensive line. I mean, it's a great way to set up all your play action and those kinds of things.
0: What's the key to then being a going from his role to then be, you know because now he's going to go from being the OC there and now, it's all his show. But what's the key to being a good offensive coordinator? And you know, what do you think the most important things are?
1: Well, I'll say this just just from my knowledge of what system they were running at uh, um, Washington. Uh, they were in a three digit system, the old North Turner right. Earnings and PC MPC uh, three digit system. So there will be a whole new language. Uh, being imparted there that those that some have heard and, and a lot haven't heard. Uh, it, they'll be learning a whole new offense there as they go to OTAs this year. And he will be teaching that to a, a group of coaches. Some have heard that Juan Castillo has heard uh, West coast offensive terminology before, but then there's a whole bunch that haven't heard that. And uh, so he'll have to be crossing the T's and dotting the I's about whether it's splits, whether it's uh uh stems on routes, uh, whether it's paths for the back, whether it's telling the quarterback your eyes are here first and then they're here second, there's check down third, everything. I mean, all the minutiae is what he's going to have to get across.
0: And then also just in in terms of general OC being a coordinator, what, how would you rank like the importance? Cause people are going to focus on well, did he call all the plays and under Andy or, you know, what is the most important thing as a coordinator in general?
1: yeah i I think being able to uh, uh have a good blend to, uh, of, of play calling and then uh being able to keep the defense off balance um, you know surely that's a huge effort i mean understanding that hey if they're killing you with the pass rush you know you've got the great screen game which Kansas City is known for I mean there's there's certain teaching points you know everybody screens but there's certain teaching points that he will demand uh about what path, the running back gets on what path the offensive line get on as they start to head down the field. So they don't look like a bunch of drunken pirates as they're running out there. Um, so, like I said, the minutiae stuff, I think, I think that's, that's the important thing. And then developing a little rhythm and you know what, I know he called plays in in, in the uh, preseason because that's how Andy was. He'd flip it to me once in a while. Hey, Brad put a series together. So, you know, it's, it's not true that he's never called plays right. because there's times where Andy's looking for suggestions. You know, uh, if, if you've been three and out a couple of times, you're kind of like, okay, are you thinking anything, Eric? And, you know, Eric would at that point in time share those things with Andy. So um, I think that's, you know, an important part that people overlook.
0: And how, like, because I've always been impressed with Andy Reid with just like he seems to seek out knowledge from many different places. How much does that help an offensive assistant? You know, and, and am I am I right in that, in that he he really seems to look seek input?
1: Uh, he did. There, there, was nobody that he didn't listen to and it didn't make any difference if the guy was, uh, uh, just an offensive assistant and he had been, uh, uh, taking, breaking down all of Cal Berkeley's film and seeing what they did that was, uh, interesting and unusual and might fit for us. So he loved, uh, he loved new ideas and, and new thoughts and does it fit, does it fit for us? And as they say, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, but you have to have somebody that's doing that. And then you have to have somebody that's willing uh, to take some of that information and, and stick it in their playbook.
0: How hard is it for, if you're like, you know, if you're a quarterback's coach, the run game might be a challenge for you differently. If you're running backs coach, maybe the pass game. So as you said, there are, there's a, an involvement in that, but what is the transition to go from, you know, kind of being around it to then putting it all together is, is that, you know, what do you need to make it work to be successful?
1: Yeah, I think you got to be in. You have to be good in front of the room, which his passion will reign through from the minute he first stands in front of that offensive group. Um, and then you got to be able to present it the right way. You only have a limited time to to uh, uh, install that many plays, both run and pass. And and then you're going to have to make sure that that you've coached your coaches up on all the small stuff that goes with those runs. That's why, you know, you get an offensive line coach that you're familiar with. You get a wide receiver coach that you're familiar with. Um, To me, that's an, that's an important anything because you are kind of outlining things, but in meeting meetings before that, before you even got to the team setting uh, on Monday and Tuesday, you've been packaging all that stuff together. So everybody has an understanding of what you're going to do.
0: Now, how important too, is going back to that passion and you, you know, again, you've been in multiple roles, Andy seems to be a fairly calm guy. You're, you were a fairly calm guy. Ron's a pretty, you know, even keeled guy. Like how important when you have, you have EB like that to have somebody else kind of offsetting and vice versa to have someone who's maybe not as, um, in going to be right in your face to have a guy like EB who can do that.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think it's important. You know, there, everybody has a different style. You know, some mm-hmm. guys are screamers and yellers. Some guys are more, uh, you know, it's particularly the quarterback. You know, you don't scream and yell at the quarterback. Generally, you bring him aside and whisper in his ear. Um, so I, I don't think I, I don't think there's any doubt that 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 he will uh, adapt to that. Um, you know, you don't get a lot of getting in the quarterback's faces. Um, but there's other positions that respond and then he's going to have to learn that roster and see, you know, what it is that motivates each and every one of those guys.
0: Yeah, and and I think, like I said, I think that passion here is going to be going to work very well. Um, what was his impact on Adrian Peterson?
1: Well, you know, he he really indoctrinated him into uh, what a show pony, what a what a lead dog in the run game looks like in the National Football League. Um, I'm trying to think who those guys would be now that are, you, you know, they're not quite playing the game the same way where you wow. hand the ball the guy twenty or twenty five times. Um, So just all the preparation that, you know, how you take care of your body. Here's what you do on off days. I mean, it's a whole different animal when you only play 11 or 12 in college. And then all of a sudden you get the Thanksgiving, you still got, you know, six or eight more. Um, it's important to, first of all, uh, have a coach that's been there before. And Eric certainly has done that, uh, having to get himself ready for a Wednesday practice. And then, um, a guy like Tony Richardson, um, that Eric was coaching as well, uh, was a guy that had a long career, did a great job of taking care of his body and was able to model some things for, for Adrian Peterson. And, and Eric was able to direct Tony to share those things with, with AP. And, and, and then, uh, you, you, saw him kind of run with the ball, literally.
0: How much would he push him in practice?
1: Oh, he would push him. He would push him. I mean, whether it was, uh, whether it was, uh, uh ball security, whether it was, running away from a handoff because he's trying to use his speed to circle the defense um talk to him about course integrity um yeah i i mean he, he got every ounce of juice even though he was a tremendous player in his own right right i mean he he got everything out of him every day and every game
0: Are you surprised that he's kind of had to travel this path or did you think he would have been a head coach earlier
1: no, well, I thought by he now, been.
0: I should say not yet, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I thought he would have been by now. But, you know, I, I got to tell you something interesting, uh, John. You know, uh, I sat at, a, I sat at a, uh, a table with an owner sitting right next to me. He shall remain nameless. And it was back when they were talking about the Rooney rule. Uh, Herm Edwards got up and gave a great, uh, you know, talk to everybody in the room. It was upcoming assistants. It was head coaches. It was owners. Uh, it was general managers. I sat next to an owner and I said, hey, did you get a chance to see my videotape. Uh, and, and the guy said, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw it. I was familiar with it." and he ended up hiring another guy. And, uh, I, I said, uh, can you, can you give me any, any pointers on anything you were looking for that you didn't see, uh, you know, that I could do better, you know? And he says, you want to be honest with me? And I said, yeah, I absolutely want you to be honest with me. And he said, yeah, he says, I couldn't get by the mustache. And I was speechless, you know, cause I'm not shaving my mustache. I've had a mustache since forever. Um, so when, when you talk about Eric not being able to uh, have an opportunity, you, you just don't know what are in those guys' minds and what exactly it is they're looking for. And I appreciated that coach, that, that owner's honesty, but, you know, you talk about hitting you right between the eyes. Now, that, that, that was really a revelation.
0: I I'll have to admit, that's not what I thought he would have said to you. Like of all the things that you I could have, you could have said, here are 10 things you may have said. I would not have picked that one. I've never heard that one before, but it's, you're right. Like you never know what they're thinking. I've heard guys here where they'll say, oh, candidate X was by far the best interview, but they hired someone else because they already knew going in that this was the guy they're going to hire.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not supposed to happen that way. I mean, that by, right. by design, that's why it's, you know, Uh, so they could embrace all comers as, as they come in the door. But, but uh, you know, hopefully we're taking baby steps toward alleviating that. Although probably the past 20 years would tell you that they're very baby steps.
0: The last thing then um, you were also on that staff with Ron Rivera, you know, saying, I'm sure you know him well. And like now he, Eric's joining this staff. What do you, first of all, what kind of coach do you think Ron Rivera is? And this is clearly a big year for both those men.
1: Yeah. You know, so Ron was in, in a tough situation because Jim Johnson was a, a, a lifelong defensive guy, a linebacker guy. At some point, he coached a defensive line, but basically a linebacker guy. Um, so he was very hard on Ron. Um, and But it was good, you know, because that was a guy that was coming from professional football, really hadn't coached before. And, and, and basically, he had to impart that knowledge and teach him exactly how to do everything. Um, so... He, he learned it, you know, kind of at the knees of, of Jim Johnson and, and then his own career took off. He's able to go to Chicago and obviously on to San Diego. Um, but I think those two haven't been together and following each other uh, throughout the years. You know, they've been in a lot of the same rooms. They've been in a lot of the same meetings as we go to, as you go to the combine. Um, but I think they'll work uh, tremendously together. And I, and I think they'll do a great job of offsetting each other's strengths.
0: I apologize. I did have one more because you, what you know about that offense and I don't know how much you know about Washington's roster. Have you watched much of them at all? Their the skill talent and all that.
1: You know, I, I really haven't. Um, I know there'll be some base concepts that, that, that he starts with. I mean, you can't, it's going to feel like they're drinking out of a fire hose. I'm sure that offense as we start, as they start there, but uh, there'll be base concepts. And then certainly you got to look and see, Hey, what can your offensive line accomplish? I'd like to do this. What can your quarterback accomplish? Is it, is he able, is he good? Does he need to be on the move? Is he a pocket guy? Can we quarter roll him? I think he's going to evaluate all that stuff. I know he's probably, you know, knee deep right. in looking at all that film right now about who are these guys who's coming back, who we're not sure is coming back. Um, but I think there's enough variety that he will be able to uh, uh, use those guys strengths to their advantage.
0: And what's the key to making that offense in general work?
1: Uh, I I would say, number one, uh, decision-making. The second thing would be accuracy. Um, I think that's huge. I mean, you can forget about how big an arm a guy's got. Is he accurate with the football? And Is he throwing it to the right guy and, and making good decisions? And then if you're playing good defense, I mean, Eric, particularly having coached the running backs before, having respect for the football, and not giving it to the other team. I mean, that's, he'll impart that through and through on that offensive side of the ball.
0: Brad, I appreciate your time and your insight. Great stuff. And thank you very much. You're welcome, John. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Brad for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back on Thursday, late Thursday afternoon with another podcast wrapping up our first impressions of meeting Eric the Enemy at his press conference. Talk to you next time.